Y'all ready to worship Jesus? Come on, I'm gonna need you to sing right here. You make the blind man see. You make the lame man walk again. You cause the dead to rise. And that's why we dance in liberty. Cause you do it all again.
this up today. He is holy. He is Jesus. Say that. You are holy to say, God. My Redeemer, my Redeemer to sing, God. Come on, what do you need redeemed today? My Redeemer. My Redeemer to sing, God. Mm. My Provider. My Provider to sing, God. Come on, y'all, sing it like you mean it. My Provider. My Provider to sing, God. Even though it won't alive, it might come through my Provider. My Provider to sing, God. Oh, He's Jesus. love you. We thank you that you've never lost a battle, that you are constantly providing for us even when we don't see you. You are there moving. Say miracles. Miracles when you move. Such an easy thing that you can do. Your hand is moving right now. You are still showing up the tomb of every Lazarus, your voice is calling me out, and right now, I know you're able, and my God, watch him come through again, you can do all things, you can do Cause you never lost a battle No, you never lost a battle And I know
Nation, Pastor Ray here, and I'd like to welcome you to Converge Online. As you already know, we did not meet in person this weekend in lieu of Preston Trail's Balloon Glow Festival, which, by the way, was a resounding success. To everyone from our Converge family who came out, thank you so much for being a part of the event and uh, for, man, just setting some time aside intentionally to enjoy family to enjoy friends in partnership with our friends at Preston Trail Community Church. I'm so glad that I get to connect with you, our virtual family, Converge Online, Converge Nation this morning, because this morning we're launching a brand new sermon series in conjunction with our fall, fall Bible immersion campaign. As you know, we've been in the book of Acts. We've been reading through the book of Acts and we've been discovering what it looks like when the church of Jesus Christ goes viral and we become this unstoppable force for good in the earth. We become God's change agents in the earth. Uh, if you're just hearing about our full Bible immersion campaign, today is October 17th, so we're reading Acts chapter number 17. We're reading a chapter a day with the corresponding day as we unpack and we uncover uh, God's original and eternal plan for the church. Uh, man, listen, I've been encouraged. My strength, my faith has been strengthened uh, reading through this incredible chronicle of what God did through the early church. Ordinary men and women just like you and me. You know, Daniel chapter 11 and verse 32 declares, they that know their God, come on somebody, that's you and that's me. They that know their God will first of all be strong and they will do exploits. And we're looking at the blueprint, the prototype uh, recorded in the book of Acts for the early church. We believe that there are patterns. We believe that there are principles uh, that we can uncover in the book of Acts that will empower us as devoted Christ followers individually and as a local church collectively to live out God's plan and purpose for his church 
through us. And we're calling this series Supreme 2.0 because we're revisiting uh, uh, sort of the series uh, that kicked off this year, uh, which was Supreme. And, and we did an extensive study of the, the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church at Colossae, where the emphasis of the letter was on the sovereignty of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, and the sufficiency of Christ. Supremacy of Christ, meaning Jesus over everything. And as we pick up this series, we're going to discover what it looks like when Jesus is over everything that concerns his church, uh, but not just his church universal, but what it looks like when Jesus, when we allow Jesus to be over everything in our lives personally, what it looks like when Jesus is supreme in our lives. And we're going to uh, discover the sovereignty of Christ, the supremacy of Christ, and here it is, the sufficiency of Christ. When Jesus becomes more than enough because he's all that we need. And what that looks like when Jesus gives expression to that through the local church. Again, we're going to be studying this series in conjunction with our study of the book of Acts. I'm super excited. I'm super excited. Uh, and as we dive into the word this morning, let's pray together and ask God for his wisdom and, uh, and his guidance as the Holy Spirit helps us uh, understand and gives clarity to what we read and hear in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We honor and we thank you for your precious holy word. We thank you for your promise that the entrance of your word gives light. It illuminates our understanding, and we thank you, God, that you are faithful to honor your word in our lives. I thank you that your word will never return to you empty, void, or unfulfilled. It will always prosper in the thing whereunto it is sent. So as we declare your word, as we speak your word, we thank you that it prospers and bears much fruit in our lives, personally, individually, and collectively, in Jesus' name. And everyone said a good amen and amen. Listen, we're about to dive into the word, but I would be remiss if I did not take a moment to say a big heartfelt thank you from me, from Pastor Wendy, from our family for Pastor's Appreciation Sunday. Uh, listen, to everyone uh, who was a part of that, if you sent a letter, a card, a note, well wishes, congratulations, uh, words of appreciation, words of affirmation, your financial gifts, and your prayers. Uh, man, listen, I, I told uh, Converge uh, last week that it was like water to our soul, oxygen, man, in our tank for this next leg of the journey. So thank you, thank you, thank you. I think there's a few people in particular that we need to, to thank because they were the masterminds, they were the catalysts uh, for Pastor Appreciation uh, Weekend. Uh, so Coquetso and Colo Macafola, thank you. Dexter and Andrea Jackson, thank you. Waleska Shell and her handsome hunk of burning love. Come on, somebody. Michael Shell, a big thank you. Wilhelmina Johnson, uh, thank you as well. And everyone, man, who worked behind the scenes to choreograph and to script such a wonderful surprise and such an awesome gift. Uh, Pastor Wendy and I are looking to our uh, uh, aerial uh, adventure over the great city of Dallas, 
Fort Worth, all because of you. Dinner and an aerial adventure. Man, we're super excited about that. Some of you say, oh, Pastor Ray, I'm sorry. Uh, we missed it. We missed the video tribute, which by the way, man, was such a blessing. So everyone who sent in a video message, thank you for that. And, uh, and But there were some who said, man, I missed the cutoff. I missed the deadline. We still want to be a blessing to you and Pastor Wendy. Listen, you can still do that this month for Clergy Appreciation Month as the Lord as the Lord prompts you, uh, as the Lord directs you, and uh, and we pray that God will multiply your kindness, your generosity, and your thoughtfulness back to you. Good measure. Listen, pressed down, shaken together, and running over in Jesus' name. As Pastor Wendy would say, we love the way you love us. <laughs> Converge Church, and that is heartfelt. Uh, that is sincere. And uh, But listen, we're going to dive into the word today. We're going to dive into the word today. Uh, and we're going to talk about in week one, what it looks like to live a spirit-empowered life. A spirit-empowered life. Uh, the evidence that Jesus is supreme in our lives is when we live a life, when we live a life that is yielded and submitted to the work of the Holy Spirit in our Lives. John said it this way, I must decrease and he, Jesus, must increase in me. Uh, the New Living Translation says it this way, I must become less and less and he, Jesus, must become greater and greater. How does Jesus find expression in our lives today? He does so through the work and the presence and the power and the ministry of the Holy Spirit who indwells us. Jesus said it this way, John 14, 15, and 16. Uh, he said, listen, I won't leave you as orphans and I won't leave you comfortless. In fact, he said it would be to our advantage. It would be to our benefit for him to go because in going, he would send the Holy Spirit who would be our comforter. So this Jesus who was supreme in the universe, in the cosmos, across galaxies and governments and principalities and powers has now made his home. He has taken up residence in us by the Holy Spirit. And notice Jesus didn't want his disciples. In fact, he prohibited them. He gave them this prohibition. Uh, he forbid them to begin to preach the gospel, to live out the Great Commission mandate until they had first of all been endued with power from on high through the Holy Spirit. Listen to me. Listen, listen, Converge. You and I, if we're going to not just survive, if we're going to thrive, uh, if we're going to reign in this life as Jesus uh, uh, intended, it will be through the presence and the power and the indwelling and the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives as evidenced in the book of Acts. So when we read Acts chapter 1, we find 120 devoted Christ followers huddled in the upper room. And the scripture says that they were praying and seeking God all together in one place, in one accord. It was a place of unity. It was a place of oneness. And in that place, God showed up in a profound and powerful way on the day of Pentecost. In fact, the word of God declares 
uh, in Acts chapter 2 that on the day of Pentecost or when the day of Pentecost had fully come, that the Holy Spirit rested upon these 120 believers like a mighty rushing wind. Uh, he came in power, rested upon them, descended upon them, and empowered them for service. Listen, if there's something that the church of Jesus Christ needs today, it is the power. <laughs> ah, it is the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. I'm getting ahead of myself a little bit. But notice that there were 120 devoted Christ followers, 120 disciples numbered, numbered on the day of Pentecost, approximately 50 days after the Passover. Remember uh, the story of Jesus, the chronicle of Jesus, uh, the passion of Jesus, this final week of his life that he was crucified, dead and buried. But on the third day, Jesus rose up. The day of Pentecost came approximately, approximately 50 days after the passion of Jesus Christ. Penta cost, penta meaning five. A lot like we would say Pentagon, Pentecost was a celebration that happened approximately 50 days after Passover. What I find significant about this 100, the 120 numbered in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1, is that Jesus had given that instruction to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit to a whole lot more than just 120 people. In fact, in the book of 1 Corinthians, the scripture says Jesus appeared to as many as 500 witnesses at once. So if there was going to be any number of people on the day of Pentecost, you had to say at least 500 should have shown up because he showed up to at least 500 in one setting at one time and gave them the same instruction to tarry, to wait for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Yet, only 120 made it to the upper room. He said, Pastor Ray, why is that important? Why is that significant? It's significant for this reason. It's significant because the early church, the church of Jerusalem was born in the midst, in the crucible of crisis. These, these men who gathered were doing so at their own peril. These men and women, these families that gathered were doing so at their own peril. The church of Jesus Christ was born in the midst of tremendous adversity and opposition. It was unpopular for anyone after the crucifixion of Jesus to name the name of Christ. It is therefore understandable to a degree that people would be careful and cautious about gathering in that name. I'm saying all of that to say that we can see the same trend today among Christ followers and in the church of Jesus Christ. Uh, the people that are responding in this season post-COVID uh, 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 are people uh, who, let me put it this way, let me rephrase it, let me rephrase it. Because I want to I want to present a challenge to you. I think COVID-19 gave us a global reset opportunity. An opportunity to rethink our priorities. An opportunity to reconsider the things that matter most. In fact, I think COVID was an opportunity that God leveraged to shake those things in his church 
which could be shaken so that the things that cannot be shaken, the things that could not be shaken would remain. And I believe that post-COVID, God has preserved for himself a remnant, a remnant who would not shudder or retreat or dress back in the midst of adversity, but they would lean in and press on like the 120. Listen, listen to me, listen to me. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not designed to accommodate what is comfortable and convenient for you. Let me say that again. This gospel and the call to be a Christ follower was never intended for it to be expressed only when life is comfortable and convenient for you. Jesus told his disciples, and it was almost a warning, that what I'm inviting you into as you follow me is going to be hard. It's going to be unpopular. And it will be impossible for you to do this faithfully and honor me faithfully apart from the Holy Spirit at work in you. You say, Pastor Ray, how do you know? Acts chapter 1 and verse 8 declares that you will receive power. That word power is dunamis, where we get the word dynamite. Dynamic, explosive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will what? Be my witnesses in Jerusalem, locally, Judea, regionally, Samaria, cross-culturally. Come on, there's so much I can say about that. And then to the uttermost parts of the earth, globally. Jesus was entrusting the work of the church to 120 ordinary men and women, and he said it will require your dependence, your surrender to the Holy Spirit at work in you in order for you to fulfill it. Not only that, you will face great persecution, adversity, and resistance. And so when Jesus uses the word, you will be my witnesses, that word translated witnesses is a Greek word, for martyr. Notice what Jesus was telling his disciples. He was saying that you need the power of the Holy Spirit because there is coming a time just around the corner when you will be persecuted for my sake, when you will face tremendous adversity for my sake, and it will require the power of the Holy Spirit and the sufficiency of my grace in you because it may require that you pay the ultimate price in response to my call and my commission. I want that to sink in for a second. For those of us who are afraid to come to church again because of COVID, for those of us who are afraid because of vaccine hesitancy, listen to me, let me make it crystal clear for you. It's not going to get any easier Jesus spoke prophetically in Matthew chapter 24 that there would be wars and rumors of wars, that nation would rise against nation, that there would be pestilence and unrest and conflict. Do you intend to spend the rest of your life hiding behind closed doors? Listen, there is something that will come, another pandemic, another epidemic that will, that will eclipse the effects the ripple effects and the outfall of COVID-19. What are you going to do? Cower in fear? Or are you going to rise up in the power and, 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 and purpose 
of God and the promise of the Holy Spirit and live out his call. And I really, because this is what God, there is absolutely nothing about the call of God that says it is for your convenience. In fact, Jesus said in Mark chapter eight, if any man, if any woman would come after me, here it is. Number one, they must first deny themselves. Give up your right to your own agenda. Give up your right to your own convenience. Give up your right to your own comfort. Give up your right to what you want and what is comfortable to you. And he says, number two, take up your cross daily. It is a place, the cross, a place of suffering, a place of surrender. A place where you really have no agenda but the agenda of Christ. And number three, then he says you can follow him. And I would, I would say that there are so many people, so many people who have allowed their lives and their convictions to be informed by culture instead of Christ. And that's why we have this rub. Listen, these people are being persecuted, put to death for their faith. And we won't even come to church on Sunday. That's why only 120 people showed up. Only 120 because of the imminent threat that their lives, their lives could be taken. Yet Jesus said, I will empower you with the Holy Spirit, not just to go about preaching the gospel, not just to be anointed to sing your favorite song or to sing your favorite hymn or the oil that comes upon you will not only anoint you for ministry, but even for martyrdom, you will be my witnesses. And I want to say this because I am seeing a church, and this is not just unique to Converge Church. As I speak to my pastor friends, I am seeing a church that has taken the easy way out. And we have, we have become comfortable and we have normalized convenience over conviction. Listen, I'm not asking any of you to be reckless. In fact, Christ followers are responsible. But what I'm saying is, maybe this is an opportunity as we start this series to come face to face and confront our complacency when it comes to kingdom business. God didn't anoint you. God didn't pour out his Holy Spirit upon you. God didn't empower you. God didn't give you gifts so that you would sit on them until you get the all clear, until everything is picture perfect, before you start to exercise the gifts of God that are within you. Listen, there are multitudes waiting on the other side of your obedience. And I need to have this honest conversation with you because when we study the book of Acts, these are not just men and women walking around doing what they want to do. No, their lives were at stake. And in spite of being thrown into prison, in spite of persecution, they honored God. 120, only 120 were willing to gather in the midst of a clear and present danger that they could be thrown in prison and thrown to lions and die as martyrs. The spirit empowered life. So we discover that the church was born in the midst of adversity. Why is that important to understand? We have to maintain the proper perspective, otherwise we won't get through this. 
I'm talking about when Jesus is supreme. Listen, when Jesus is supreme in your life, it's no longer about you. In fact, one writer said it this way, all of me, none of him. Some of me, some of him. None of me, all of him. And I believe that's why Paul wrote in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, it is no longer I that live, but it is Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. Listen to me. There are so many of us who name the name of Christ who are no longer following him because what following him requires is too great a price and too great a sacrifice for some of us to make. He said, you must deny yourself, get yourself off the throne, and then take up your cross daily and follow him. All right. So here it is. Here it is. Ah, man. You have to maintain the right perspective because obedience to Christ often attracts opposition. Obedience to Christ often attracts opposition. Adversity, listen to me, is par for the course. And so we can't allow difficulty, uncertainty to keep us from being the church that Jesus called us to be. When Jesus is supreme, when Jesus is over everything in our lives, we recognize we have the proper perspective. We look at life through the right lens and we recognize my obedience to Christ will attract opposition. That opportunities are often juxtaposed side by side with obstacles. Notice 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 9. Paul writes, for a great and effective door is open unto me, but there are many adversaries because opportunities are often juxtaposed side by side with obstacles. Say, yeah, well, Pastor Ray, I didn't sign up for all of that. Listen, listen, listen to what the scripture says about Jesus in John chapter 1 and verse 11. It says, he came unto his own and his own received him not. Have you ever had to deal with rejection? Have you ever had to deal with being, here it is, here's the word we use in a contemporary cultural context. Have you ever had to deal with being invisible? Why would God, a loving father, send his only begotten son into an environment where he would come to his own people and his own people would receive him not. You know, as, as I was considering the life and ministry of Jesus and how Jesus is our blueprint and what it looks like to live a spirit-empowered life because Jesus did as well. In fact, his earthly ministry began when he was anointed at the River Jordan at his baptism when the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And immediately the scripture says he was being full of the spirit. He was then led by the spirit. Where? Into the wilderness, into a dry place, into a desolate place. The Holy Spirit didn't take him into a place that was comfortable and, 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 and plush. 
led him into a dry, desolate wilderness where he was tested and tempted 40 days. And he prevailed. And the scripture says Jesus came out of this place in the power of the Holy Spirit. Notice he was full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit, and he returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. But what was the, 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 the middle place? What was the place of transition and perfection? It was the wilderness. God, Jesus was not only born into a hostile environment, his ministry was birthed in a hostile environment. And God is saying to us, is we're, if we're going to survive this season of adversity, if we're going to uh, survive and thrive in this season of difficulty and even uncertainty, it's going to require a spirit-empowered life. But think it not strange as you walk with Jesus, as you follow Jesus, as you pursue Jesus, that difficulty comes. Ah, I hope y'all, I hope y'all are tracking with me. Notice, notice, uh, God is more concerned with developing our character than he is our comfort. That's a perspective, a paradigm shift. God is not concerned about your comfort. He is concerned about developing Christ-like character and conviction in us. And in the midst of developing those characteristics, those traits in us, uh, there are times, even seasons, when you and I will go through adversity. Notice what John Ortberg said. Uh, uh, he said, Jesus made many predictions about how the world would respond to the disciples. Massive applause wasn't one of them. And for those of us who only move when people applaud us, when people celebrate us, you've probably forfeited your opportunity to become a disciple. You can't have applause and the affirmation of the Father simultaneously. In fact, if you live for people's applause, you will die from their criticism. And so Jesus, as we is calling us into the spirit-filled, the spirit-filled life, which often attracts opposition. Notice John 1, 11 again. He came unto his own and his own received him not. You know, I started to say this and then I took a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I, I thought about the life of Jesus and, and, and how that compares to where most of us live now. Uh, we live in a, a society where even the church uh, has been overtaken with celebrity status. Everybody, man, is on Instagram and, and Facebook and, and TikTok and, and, and we're looking and examining our perfectly curated lives through filters and followers. And I began to realize that the first 30 years of the life of Jesus was lived in relative obscurity, approximately 11,000 days. And very little is written or known about that part those 30 chapters of Jesus' life, very little is known. We know where he was born, and then 12 years later, uh, well, we know where he was born. Shortly thereafter, as a child, they flee to Egypt because of Herod's infanticide, this, this, this genocide that took out, and, oh, and, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, an innumerable, uh, 
That's weird sounding. Innumerable number of kids. Anyway, y'all know what I'm trying to say. Come on, somebody. The wordsmiths out there, the, 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 the dictionary police, y'all gonna get me for that one. But y'all know what I'm saying. There's very little known of those 11,000 days, the first 30 years of his life. We know where he was born. We know that he was born into poverty, the son of a carpenter. Uh, in fact, on the day that Jesus was dedicated, uh, the alternative sacrifice, if you couldn't afford a spotless lamb, was turtle doves. Go back and read the text. What did Joseph and Mary bring to the temple when Jesus was dedicated? They brought turtle doves, indicating that they couldn't afford a spotless lamb. These are the circumstances into which Jesus was born, yet he was loved by his heavenly father. But very little is said about those first 11,000 days approximately of Jesus' life. Fast forward to 30, and then we see a little bit more because there's three and a half, anywhere from three to three and a half years of earthly ministry. And then as we read scripture, we discover a little bit more where God is moving him from obscurity to notoriety after he is anointed by the Holy Spirit. Spirit. But notice this. No less than 25% of the Gospels, 25%, at least 25%, that is a fourth of what you will read in the Gospels, cover his last eight days on the earth. Notice, notice, it wasn't the first 30 years. Of obscurity. It wasn't the three and a half years of notoriety. It was the last eight days of Christ's ministry and presence of the earth that carries 25%, at least 25% of all four gospels. In fact, I think there's two gospels where it carries as much as 50% of the content chronicles his last eight days. Listen, I just sense this by the Holy Spirit right now. There are some watching this broadcast who think that their life is meaningless because their life has been developed in obscurity. Ha, you might be in the first 30 chapters of your life like Jesus was in relative obscurity. There are some watching this who, oh, you know, I've sensed a transition and I've moved over from obscurity to notoriety like the three and a half minutes, years of Jesus' life. But I just sense by the Holy Spirit that God wants to do something redemptive in your life. And he's saying, hold on, the last eight days of your life ah, will totally transcend anything you have experienced in the first 33 and a half years of your life. In fact, the bulk of your story and your testimony is about to be written in this, this, this stretch and this season of your life. It's not over. In fact, I hear the word of the Lord saying, just because it's hard. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Just because it's hard doesn't mean you're failing. I'll say that again to that person who needs that. Just because it's been hard, it doesn't mean that you're failing. There were 30 years in the life of Jesus that were hard. There were three and a half years that were better, but they were still hard because of the, the opposition of the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the naysayers. But Jesus is saying he's bringing you into a season. These final, what might be like the last eight days where all of your life is going to, is going to take on new meaning and significance. 
Thank you, Lord, for that word. Number one, number one, the church was born in the midst of adversity, just as Jesus was. And therefore, it required the oil. Come on, somebody. The oil, which represents the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, locally, Judea, regionally, Samaria, cross-culturally, and the uttermost parts of the earth. You know what? God wants you to flourish. God wants you to be his witness. God wants you to prosper. And he wants you uh, to be his voice, salt and light, wherever your feet are planted. It, it, what we're talking about, the spirit-empowered life, when Jesus reigns supreme over everything, when Jesus has the supremacy, when Jesus has the sovereignty, when Jesus has sufficiency in our lives, it's not limited to the local church. He wants to bring his power and transformation everywhere our feet are planted. So it's, the, it's within our homes, our families, our neighborhoods, the marketplace, the public square, and so on and so forth. We're going to dive into some of that in the weeks to come. But notice Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. It says, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Uh, then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Come on, somebody. They were all filled. Say this with me, Lord, fill my cup. Uh, say this with me, Converge. Lord, fill my cup again. Lord, fill my cup again. There's some watching this broadcast today who have been experiencing a slow leak. You know, when you, when you get into your car and, and you, you, you turn it on and, 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 and you have the sensors on your tires and, and they tell you your tire pressure is low, uh, it usually doesn't happen all of a sudden. It's a result of a slow leak. I think there are some of us whose cups are empty uh, because there has been a crack in the, in, the, in the pot, a crack in the pot. And I, I, think, I think the Lord wants to not only patch the vessel, he wants to fill the vessel again. New wine and the oil of the Holy Spirit. That anointing, listen to me, the anointing of God that doesn't just break the yoke. The scripture says it destroys the yoke. The things that have held you bound, the fears, the anxieties, the concerns. And I'm saying this to God's people because I am concerned that culture has become the primary influence in your life, not Christ. Notice what Charles Spurgeon said concerning the church. And Charles Spurgeon, uh, who was one of the most notable, notable advocates for the gospel, preacher, pastor, evangelist, 
a circuit minister, itinerant minister who lived between 1834 and 1892. This is what he wrote about the church of his day, which still resonates with what we see in the church today. He said, I believe that one reason why the church of God at this present moment has so little influence over the world is because the world has so much influence over the church. Ah, ah, let it not be so with Converged Church. I'm praying that God will raise up an army of spirit-empowered believers surrendered fully to God who take up their cross daily and take their instructions and their commission and their directives from Christ alone. I'm about to close. I'm about to close. The spirit-empowered life is what God is calling us to because when Jesus is supreme, when he reigns in our lives, when he reigns in our lives, we will become an unstoppable force for good and an unstoppable force for God. You say, Pastor Ray, well, what are you talking about? Uh, here it is. You and I are only as strong as what makes us stop. I'll say that again. You and I are only as strong and only as useful to God as what makes us stop doing what we ought to do. Say, Pastor Ray, what are you talking about? Notice the testimony of Paul as we close today's message. Someone who lived the spirit-empowered life. Someone whose life was fully surrendered and dedicated to the Great Commission. Notice the obstacles. Notice the opposition he faced while he obeyed God. This wasn't the result of disobedience. This wasn't the result of Paul's rebellion. Everything that he was facing was a direct result of a life that was surrendered to Christ, a life that had chosen to take up its cross daily and follow him. My question, are you following Jesus? Because if you're truly following Jesus, there's going to be a measure of adversity in your life that you have embraced because it is not about your comfort. It is not about what's convenient, newsflash. It is about God developing character and conviction in us. We like to celebrate the fact, oh yeah, that we're God's called. We're called of the Lord. We're chosen of the Lord. And what we despise are the instruments that God sometimes wants to use to fine tune his chosen. Yeah, David was God's called. David was God's chosen. David was God's appointed. David was God's anointed. But guess what? Saul was God's instrument. Saul was the thorn in David's flesh. I, I don't have time to get into this. I don't have time to get into this. But there are things that are nagging you. There are things that the enemy has brought against you that God has allowed temporarily because he wants to develop Christ-like character 
in you. And those things are only instruments to fulfill God's purpose in you. Even, even the things that don't originate in God. Because Romans 8 and verse 28 declares that all things work together for the good of them that love the Lord and are called according to his purpose. You and I are only as strong as the things that make us stop. What's made you stop? COVID-19? News reports? Has that stopped you from being the dynamic, explosive Christ follower carrying Holy Spirit in you? You have become the temple of the Holy Spirit and this stuff that's going on in our world, that's what made you stop? Uh, well, let's, let's look at Paul's life quickly as we close. These are the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians, sorry, 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. He's talking about the Pharisees who constantly, the Judaizers, who constantly came behind him and disrupted everything that he had done, the churches that he had planted, sowing seeds of discord, persecuting the church. And he said, they act like they're more Hebrew and more Israelite than I am. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. You know what he calls stripes? That means being flogged. You know, Jesus suffered in his body 39 stripes. He's talking about the same kind of suffering and persecution. In stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times, listen, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. So Jesus was whipped once, 39 stripes, Paul, 39, five times, he received 39 stripes. Did it make him stop? Did it make him stop? No, let's read on. He says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times, listen to me, I was shipwrecked. A night and a day in the deep. In journeys often in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and in thirst, in fastings often. And let me say fastings, this is when you're fasting not by choice. This is when you fast because you have no provision. That's what he's talking about here. In cold and nakedness. All of this Paul suffered for the gospel. He didn't do it because it was comfortable or convenient. And that's why I say, what has made you stop? What has made you stop? Is it the crowded restaurants? What, 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 what is it? Is it the crowded concerts? Is it the crowded supermarkets? Is it the people who choose not to wear a mask and not get vaccinated? Listen, listen, listen to what Paul endured for Christ's sake. Out of obedience for Christ, living a spirit 
empowered life. Listen, Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us, doesn't indwell us to give us goosebumps. He doesn't come upon us to only give us a prayer language. And I am grateful because my wife and I, man, we lean in and we go all the way there in our prayer language. What if the power of God that you carry that for so many of us has gone dormant, no power. No, let me put it this way. You turned off the switch. You unplugged the cable. The things that have gone dormant. What if he empowered us for such a time as this to be salt and light? Because you and I are only as strong as what makes us stop. What made you stop? What made you turn off the switch of Holy Ghost power? None of these things stopped Paul because he allowed the Holy Spirit of God to live big and strong on the inside of him. Verse 28 says, besides these other things, these are the words of Paul. He said, I just gave you a laundry list of all the things that are imperfect, imperfect circumstances, adverse, dire situations. But all of that aside, notice what Paul says. What comes upon me daily. What comes upon me daily. What comes upon me daily is my deep concern for all the churches. He said, there's a burden that I endure. There's persecution and opposition I experience. But beyond that, the things that weighs me down, the thing that weighs me down the most is my deep concern for the churches. And today, I have a deep, a deep concern for the state of the church. A church that has grown lukewarm, a church that has grown complacent and indifferent to the things of God. And my prayer is that as we navigate this series together and we discover what it looks like for Jesus, not only to be supreme in the universe and the cosmos, but what it means for Jesus to be supreme in my life. As we close out this year, Q4 of 2021, we're going to close out where we started with a twist because we're not only talking about the supremacy and sufficiency and sovereignty of Christ in the earth, we're talking about his supremacy and sufficiency and sovereignty in our lives. And it begins by living a spirit-filled, spirit-led life, which is often developed, which is often cultivated in the crucible of crisis. It's the story of Jesus. It's the story of the early church. It's the story of Paul, and it is the story of the end time church that will usher in the second advent of Jesus, of which you and I are a part. And I pray that God will find at Converge Church a remnant that has not bowed their knee to Baal, who will die to themselves, take up their cross daily in order to follow him. Listen. I barely got to my notes today, but that is the introduction and that is the tone and the tenor of what these messages will be like.
because God wants to shake us from our indifference and our complacency. And he wants us to fan into flame the gift of God that is within us, Holy Spirit power, so we can become spirit-filled, spirit-empowered believers that go out and become the viral church, viral, viral, infectious church that changes our world for good. Listen, it's unfortunate that culture has overrun our world, but Jesus is raising up a body of believers at Converge Church and in his church universal that will set things right. Look around us. We're living in the time that Isaiah spoke about, that he prophesied when he said, there will come a time when men will call what is evil good, and they will call what is good evil. Look around us. It's happening. But God is raising up a body of spirit-filled, spirit-empowered believers who will turn the tide back once again to our God so that the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever. Father, I pray that you seal this word in our hearts, that God, we will recognize the gift of God that is within us, Jesus Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit. I pray for those, Lord, who have grown uh, lukewarm and complacent and indifferent to the things of God, that you would stir our hearts again with conviction for the things that matter most. Father, I pray that each of us would be willing to confront the things that have made us stop, that we would recognize that just because it's hard doesn't mean we're failing. Father, it is your obedience sometimes that attracts the greatest opposition. But God, keep us faithful and keep us true to what you have called us to do. And Lord, I ask you to reign supreme in our lives. Jesus over everything, including Jesus over me. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, and we give you the honor for it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Listen, we want to be available to you if this message resonated with you. You may not be walking in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We want to serve you and answer your questions about what it means to become a devoted Christ follower. We also have some resources we want to send to you, which include a, a free Bible as well as uh, a Next Steps mini book that will help jumpstart your walk with Jesus and help you answer those questions like, now that I'm a Christian, what next? If that's you and you just have questions about faith or about your next steps in your walk with Christ, email us at info at weareconverge.com. That's info at weareconverge.com or give us a call on 469-422-0436. That's 469-422-0436. Zero four three six. Our announcer is coming now to give you some additional information about how you can stay connected with us right here at Converge. Thank you so much for tuning in. 
And thank you guys so much for honoring and celebrating me and Pastor Wendy this month, the month of October, Pastor Appreciation Month. God bless you. We're praying for you. We love you. Come on. Jesus still reigns supreme over everything. We'll see you next week. God bless you. If you were impacted by today's message, we would love to hear from you. Maybe today's sermon was exactly what you needed to hear, or you prayed the prayer of salvation for the first time. If so, we would love to send you some information to help you kickstart your relationship with God. Or if you want more information on how to join our virtual family, email us at info at weareconverged.com. If you would like to partner with us financially, you can do so online safely and securely at www.weareconverged.com slash give. You can also text 77977, type in Converge Give and the dollar amount. You can also find all of this information on our mobile app. Simply open your app or Play Store, search Converge Church Plano and download the app. It's that easy. Thank you again for joining us for today's worship experience. We look forward to staying connected with you.